Good morning, Southview. We're glad to have you worshiping with us today. Here are the big three announcements for this week. Men, if you haven't done so, you need to register for the men's retreat. It's coming up soon, September the 29th through October the 1st. The cost is $175 for adult males, $110 for youth. Pastor Brad will be sharing more about this in just a few minutes. It's simple, just text the word retreat to 910 424-1298. One of the most important traits of a believer is to have a servant's heart. We strongly believe in helping you develop that here at Southview. And one of the ways we help to do that is by getting you plugged into a ministry. This week, we highlight our youth ministry. If God has gifted you with the ability to teach and you have a heart for training up the next generation for Christ, we encourage you to get involved in our youth ministry. And you can simply do that by texting the word SERVE to 910-424-1298 for more information or how you can get connected to this wonderful ministry. Did you know that you can download recordings of our worship team playing many of your favorite worship songs? Simply go to the church website, southviewbc.com, and click on the Resources tab. Here, you can also view fascinating God stories and watch past services as well. So be sure and check it out today. We encourage everyone to download the Southview Baptist Church app from iTunes or Google Play. This will allow you to find other announcements, sign up for events, find a journey group, view previous sermons, or access today's sermon notes. There are two ways you can give here at Southview. You can go online and use the app, which is safe and secure or you can use the two giving boxes located at the front of the sanctuary at the base of the two stairwells. If you're a guest with us today, we're so glad to have you here visiting with us. We would love to connect with you, and there's an easy way to do that. If you would text the word CONNECT to 910-424-1298. This would allow us to minister to you in ways that you may need. We may pray for you in any specific way that our church can minister to your family. And again, we're so glad to have you worshiping with us today. And now, let's enjoy together our time with the Lord. Amen. Well, good morning, church. I want to ask you to stand. Let me pray over our time together. And let's sing and let's worship. God, we thank you for your holiness. We thank you for your greatness. And for those that believe you have called us to something greater. You call us sons and heirs 
sons and daughters, co-heirs with Christ, princes, kings. God, let us live our lives out with an eye towards eternity, that what we see vaguely now, that we will see clearly when we stand before you. And I pray that as we sing, as we celebrate these truths, that the glory of Christ will be made manifest in our lives for the sole purpose of bringing the lost home and bringing you praise and honor. You are worthy of everything we could ever offer. We are nothing and you are everything. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Let's sing.
question. Exodus 15, 11 says, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? And the scripture answers the question for Samuel. There's none holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. When we think about the holiness of God, church, we must realize it is not just a characteristic of who he is, but it is the full and complete essence of our God, that he is the perfect view of holiness, that it is all-encompassing in everything that he is and that he continues to be. And so as we sing these songs, I want you to sing it with that in mind, that we are allowed to voice our opinions to one that is so far above our understanding that through Christ we have made, he has made a way where we can approach the throne and say, yes, Lord, we love you. You are gracious. I pray that as we sing and we pray that we would see something different of his greatness today that we've never experienced before, and we would simply fall on our knees and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Let's continue to sing. Sing the song. 
church. Yes, give him praise. Yes, Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, let's find 1 Peter chapter 5 together, all right? 1 Peter 5. As you're finding that, a couple of quick announcements for you. Um, one you heard in the video announcements earlier about our men's retreat. Again, we just want to let you know about that, guys. It's coming up here in uh, just um, a few weeks now, really, well, a couple of months, uh, end of September into beginning of October. So I want to encourage all of you guys, sign up for that. If you have not yet, you can text the word retreat to our number, 910-424-1298 to sign up for that. Uh, second, I, I want to uh, let you know this as well. If you've been a member here at Southview for um, uh, any length of time, uh, you may be familiar with the Heck family, Art Heck, a uh, longtime member here at Southview, passed away this week. We're having his uh, funeral today here uh, in the sanctuary at 3 o'clock, so if you're a, a friend of that family, we'd encourage you to be here for that 3 o'clock today as we remember his life and celebrate uh, the Lord uh, who he loves so dearly. Uh, so we are in the midst of a series we're beginning it today throughout the summer our summer series is called uh, i love that verse and the idea behind the series is if, if you've been walking with the lord long you've been reading your bible you know all the bible obviously is god's word all the bible is inspired and inerrant all the bible is given to us to teach us and rebuke us and correct us and train us up in righteousness so that the man and woman of god can be thoroughly equipped for every good work and also, if you've ever been reading the Bible, and sometimes a verse just comes flying off the page, like it just, just hits you, right? And what's the thing that we say a lot? Oh, I love that verse. And that's what we want to do today. Uh, for the next uh, few weeks going through the summer, is we just want to highlight some really cool verses that uh, I believe teach things that are significant and primary building blocks for a walk with Christ. Uh, so today, what we're going to do in 1 Peter 5 is we're going to look at the idea of pride and humility. Um, so the Bible is clear that all sins are the same, that Jesus had to die for all sins. However, the Bible is equally clear that there are some sins that serve as uh, sort of gateway sins, right? They're sins that lead you into other sins. The Bible would say that there are certain sins that are to be aggressively avoided, even more so than other sins, not just because that in and of itself is a sin, but because it's a sin that's going to lead you to something else. Um, it speaks of drunkenness like that, right? And the idea behind it is you do things drunk you would not have done sober, right? It's a sin that opens up an opportunity for you now to engage in other sins, right? You do things intoxicated that you would never do Sober. First Timothy chapter 6 calls the love of money one of these as well. First Timothy 6.10 says the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Having a love for money, craving money, desiring money is going to open you up to other sins and other inconsistencies in your life. The Bible says that pride is another one of these gateway sins, one of these sins that needs to be avoided, not just because it's a sin in and of itself, but because it is a sin that's going to lead you into other sins. 
Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. Proverbs 16.5, Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, the arrogant will not go unpunished. Proverbs 16.18, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. There are two things that I want us to do today, okay? I like to tell you what I'm doing ahead of time so you can judge me and grade me if I did a good job afterwards, all right? So there are two things that I want us to do today. First is this. I want to show you that you are way more prideful than you think you are. I want to show you how sneaky pride is. I want to show you how deceptive and camouflaged pride is. And that you and I are way, way, way more prideful than we think. But the second thing I want to show is the unbelievable waterfall of blessings from God that come through humility. Right? So I want to see we're way more prideful than we think we are. However, if we repent from that and turn and walk in humility, there are blessings immeasurable poured out on those who walk in humility. Um, the reason why I picked um, this passage as a verse that I love is because um, my spiritual journey is very much marked by God pointing out my pride and calling me to humility. It was a massive part of my personal spiritual growth. Um, and the thing for me is, it was difficult for me because my pride didn't manifest itself in ways that we stereotypically think of pride, right? We think of pride as that guy that walks in the room and he clearly thinks he is the smartest, most important person in the room. You're like, that guy's a jerk. It's easy to point that out. But again, the majority of us, that's not the way that our pride manifests itself. And it didn't with me. I didn't walk in a room thinking I was the smartest guy in the room. The fact is I had a pretty low view of myself. Um, I didn't think I was that smart. I didn't think I was that important. Um, in fact, I, I, I really consider myself pretty lowly. Um, I didn't think I was prideful because I wasn't the kind of guy that walked into a room and just owned the room, right? I wasn't the guy that always had to be the center of attention. The fact is, believe it or not, I am at some... I've grown significantly in this, but there were, there were times in my life where I was debilitatingly introverted. Like, debilitatingly introverted. I remember, so when I was a kid growing up, you had to, for um, lunch, um, the teacher would call your name, and you would go to the front of the class, like in your homeroom, right, and you'd give your money to the teacher there, and then they'd collect the money, and then they'd have your lunch prepared for you whenever you, you got to whatever. I went days and didn't eat because I was too shy to stand up and walk to the front of the class when the teacher called my name, right? My parents were just finding money in my pockets, like, what are you... Are, are you selling things at school? Like, what are you doing? Like, how? It's like, I just, I just don't want to go. No, you're not allowed to not eat because you're shy. Like, no, we can't do that, okay? So, because I was introverted, because I really didn't consider myself that great, it was easy for me to not think I was prideful. However, God kind of brought me through a process of seeing really sneaky ways that pride was manifesting in my life. 
Um, pride was manifesting in my life in the way that I was very quickly defensive in how I responded to people who I felt was attacking me. This manifested in my marriage. Like if my wife just the most benign and simple of things, I would, I'd get upset. Why would I do that? Well, I, I told myself the reason I was doing that was because I'm just telling the truth, right? Well, I mean, you, if you say something that I think is wrong, I got the right to tell you I think you're wrong, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But the fact is, the reason I was responding like that is because I was prideful and I couldn't dare stand the idea that someone would not think well of me. It was bizarre. Even though I didn't think well of me, I was really upset when I thought someone else didn't think well of me. I saw it with my kids. I saw it with my kids in a couple of ways. I would get so easily frustrated if my kids acted out in public. And here's the thing. So here's the thing with pride. There's a part of pride, there's a part of what you're saying to yourself that's true. Right? So my kids are out in public, right? I'm not raising monkeys, right? This ain't a circus. I don't have a top hat. You can't act like a fool. Right? I know we're in Walmart, but still. <laughs> so there's an aspect of that that's, well, yeah, you got to teach your kids how to act in public, right? That's an important thing. That's not bad. But what I realized was one of the things that was really driving that was if my kids act up, what are people thinking of me? What are their thoughts of me? Do they think I'm a bad parent? Do they look at me and go, why can't you make your kid be quiet? Boy, if I was that kid's parents, they would not like that. And what I found was, while I was saying I was getting upset with my kids because they're just acting out in public and you don't need to act out in public because that's just the right thing to do, there's a lot of pride driving that. But so easy to get sneaky, prideful. When it comes to your marriage and how you interact with your spouse, when it comes to your kids, and not just how you interact with your kids, but let's try this one on. So this one got me as well. I would get really upset if I felt someone else was being rude or demeaning to my kid. If I felt like my kid was being attacked. Now again, here's the hard part. There's a part of that where you're a parent and you're called to be protective. And who's really in charge here? You or God? I mean, we even call it things, right? I even call it things like, uh, uh, yeah, I'll do it, whatever. So, like, Mama Bear, I mean, you got a t-shirt. you got a sticker on the back of your minivan. Well, you did. You're going to scrape it off before next week. But... Now listen to me, listen to me. There's an aspect of that that makes total sense and is right. Protect your kids. And, listen to me, you becoming so hyper-defensive of your children shows your pride. Where you have to control and manipulate everyone around your kids to make sure they treat your kid the way you think they need to treat your kid. That's pride. Now, it's nice, socially acceptable pride. You're going to have that post on Facebook and talk about, let me vent for a second. 
talk about my kid. I'm going to tell you, blah, blah, blah. And you're going to have all your friends like it and go, you go, girl. (laughs) And they're wickedly prideful too. It's just pride. It's just pride. That also led me to judge people a lot. Man, I was super judgy. And here's the sneaky thing. Sometimes people do things that deserve to be judged. Right? And I'm like, you can't judge me. Actually, I can. Right? That's, uh, that's a bad thing that you just did. <laughs> but I found myself just being really judgy. Really critical. And all of that was my pride. So what I want us to see today in 1 Peter 5 is, again, how sneaky pride is, how we're way more prideful than we think we are. But, on the flip side, I don't want you to just hear you're prideful. The flip side that I really want you to hear today is this. There are blessings innumerable poured out on those who are humble in Christ. That's why I say this is a foundational building block. For who we are in the Lord. So 1 Peter chapter 5. Let's do verses 5, 6, and 7. We're going to read them together and then we'll kind of work our way back through. All right. So 1 Peter 5, chapter 5. Excuse me, chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So here's what I want to do. I want to walk through this verse, this this scripture. And verse 5, verse 6, and verse 7, here's what we're going to see. In each of these verses, there's a command when it comes to humility, and then there's a reason given of why, right? Command and reason, command and reason, command and reasons. We're going to do that. Verse 5, command and reason. Verse 6, command and reason. Verse 7, command and the reason. All right, so let's pick it up in verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. So real quick, the context here is the church, verses 1 through 4, just got through telling pastors to not be arrogant, all right? Pastors don't be prideful. Pastors don't make it about you. Pastors don't do things and work in ways and minister in ways that try to benefit you and not your people, right? So verses 1 through 4 just got through slamming me specifically. Then it goes to verse 5 and it switches gears that likewise, like just like I'm telling this for pastors, likewise you who are younger be subject to the elders, right? So he's saying I'm telling the elders to not be prideful. And likewise you specifically who are younger you don't be prideful either. You submit. But pick it up there in the middle. That next sentence there in verse 5. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. So that word clothe, it comes from a Greek word that means it, 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 it's describing a servant that would wrap themselves in an apron. So that when they did their work, their clothes wouldn't get dirty. It's awesome. Listen to this just for a second. Here's how I was describing humility. You wrap yourself in humility so that this world and the sins of this world don't touch you and make you dirty. Humility protects you from sin. Humility protects you. 
clothe yourself, wrap yourself up in humility as an apron, a buffer, something that protects you from being soiled and dirtied by sin. And look what he says here. Clothe yourselves. What's the next phrase? All of you. Every one of you. Every person in this room. Me, you, every one of us. We are commanded by God to wrap ourselves up in humility. Clothe yourself. Wrap yourself up in humility. We are constantly... Constantly to do this. Why? Why does God focus on humility? What's the big deal about humility? The reason why he's telling you to clothe yourself, wrap yourself up in humility, is because humility is not just one thing that you need to be working on. Right? I need to work on my patience. I need to work on my peace. I need to work on my love. I need to work on my humility. Humility is not just one of the things in the Christian life you need to grow in. Listen to me. Humility is the soil in which everything else in your life is going to grow. If you are not humble, you will not bear out the fruit of Christ. If you are not humble, you will not grow in the Lord. Humility is the foundation that everything else is built on. Humility is the soil that all the other fruit grows out of. Without humility, there is nothing. The reason that we do not pray is because we're not humble. At the end of the day, you think you can do it without God. That's why you don't pray. It's not because you don't know how. It's not because you don't have time. At the end of the day, the reason we don't pray is because we're prideful. The reason we don't spend time in the Word is because we're prideful. We don't believe That man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We believe that we can live apart from this. That we are fine apart from this. That we don't need this as our sustenance for daily life. That's pride. The reason we're not involved in church. The reason that that our casual involvement in church is just superficial and come in and sit down and say hi and leave. is because we pridefully think we don't need the body. We can do it on our own. It's pride. And that pride is going to be a wall that stops you from experiencing all that God has for you. Humility is the ground in which everything else grows. Clothe yourself. Wrap yourself up in humility. Toward who? One another. So all of us are commanded to always be humble toward every other person in this room. It is a command of God that every person in this room live in humility toward everyone else in this room. Humble. Go low. Be humble. Why does he say that? The reason? Verse 5. Because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So this is a quote from Proverbs chapter 3. It's quoted again also in James chapter 4. Look what it says there. God opposes the proud. The word oppose there is a military term. God literally declares war against the proud. God is not ambivalent about our pride. God is not neutral about our pride. God actively opposes it. God sets war against the prideful. 
Pride is rebellion against God. It was the thing that, let, that, that, that sent Lucifer off on his ultimate rebellion. War against God. And in the same way, pride in our hearts sets us at opposition against God. It sets us at war towards God. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humility is the key that unlocks the grace of God to pour out into our life. Humility is the key that unlocks the blessings and grace of God to pour down. The reason that we do not experience the grace of God in our life is because pride stops it from happening. God opposes the proud. He sets at odds the proud. He pushes away the proud. He sets himself at war against the proud. But he gives grace to those who are humble. Look at verse 6, the next command. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. So this is our next command and the reason. So look at the beginning part of verse 6. What's the command? Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. So let's unpack that just for a quick moment. Number one, humble yourself. It does not say humble others. Humble yourself. Right? It is not our job to make sure other people are humble enough. Right? I'm just doing the Lord's work. No, you're actually not. It's not your job to make sure other people are humble. However, it totally is your job to make sure you're humble. Humble yourselves. Notice what it also doesn't say. It does not say pray that God will humble you. Don't do that. Please. Don't do that. God, I just want you to, I'm just, I just so much pride in my heart. I just need you to humble me. You stand there. I'm going to go over here. Okay. It is my job before God to make sure I am walking in humility in him. It is your job before God to make sure you are walking in humility before him. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. That's such a cool phrase. Let's think about this just for a moment. Under the mighty hand of God. So you think about the hand of God in two ways. One, there is we humble ourselves under the hand of God so that he doesn't crush us, right? Because God opposes the proud, right? So that's one. But second is this. We humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that the hand of God can be a protection over us. If I'm prideful and now something has happened, right? Someone said a thing, someone's done a thing, someone's hurt me or my family in some way, and I step out from underneath that because I need to have a conversation and I need to set this straight and I need to make sure they know. What have I done now? I have gone out from under the mighty hand of God. He wants to protect you. He wants to protect you from you. When you're prideful, the one person that gets hurt the most is you. Because you set yourself at odds against God. You shut off the grace of God to flow into your life. You come out from under the protective hand of God. It's, listen, I know and so much, again, pride is just baked into our Western culture. So I need you to hear me. It's not your job to fight for you. It's not your job to fight for you. 
It's not your job to make sure everyone knows what you think. Now everyone knows you're right on this thing and they're wrong on that thing. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Trust the power and protection of God. At the end of the day, it's a simple question. Who do you trust more, you or God? If you trust yourself, you're going to respond in pride. If you trust God, you're going to humble yourself in humility. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. So that word proper time, it's the same word that will be used for a fruit being ripe. So think about fruit. You can eat fruit before it's ripe. It just doesn't taste great. Right? You can eat it. It's still edible. It's still fruit. But there's a time, a window in which the fruit is ripe and best for eating. And that's the way it's describing your life. There is a time and place in which God desires to do something in you. God desires to do something through you. God desires to do something for you. Don't jump ahead of God. Don't jump ahead of God. Humility is trusting the timing of God. Your pride will trick you into thinking you deserve to get out from under this quicker than God says. You deserve to get out from under this. You need to get out from under this. You have to stop this. Pride is going to tell you, you got to get moving. You got to do this. You got to get out from under this. This isn't right. Don't stay here. Verse 6 is going to say, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so at the proper time He may exalt you. He may do a work. He may move you. Trust God. It's about God's protection. His protection. Some of the worst mistakes I've ever made in my life have been when I jumped out ahead of timing of God. Jumped out ahead, said something I shouldn't have said, did something I shouldn't have done, responded in a way I shouldn't have responded. I should have slept a night before I sent that email. Right? This, this, is, this is extraordinarily practical. Right? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. You know what that means in the Greek? Don't hit send. It's in the Greek. You can't see it, but it's there. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Don't have the conversation. Don't make the phone call. Wait. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He'll exalt you. He'll work in you. Now, exalt, what's that going to look like? Probably not what you think it should. But do you trust God? Do you trust God? By exalt you, he's not saying he's going to put you in a position of prominence on this earth. By exalt you, what he's saying is he's going to put you in higher places spiritually. He's going to do a work in you. He's going to grow you in him. He's going to bear out his fruit in your life. He will exalt himself in you. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Why? So at the proper time, God may exalt you. And then verse 7. Casting all your anxieties on him 
because he cares for you. Uh, So there are a lot of verses, a lot of passages in the Bible that deal with pride and humility. The reason that I picked 1 Peter was because of the context in 1 Peter. So let's do a little Bible work real quick. Here's the context of 1 Peter. 1 Peter is written by the Apostle Peter to a group of Christians who are scattered all over the world. And they're scattered all over the world because they're experiencing immense, deep, horrible persecution. As Peter is writing this, soon thereafter, a man by the name of Nero is going to come to power in Rome. Do you know Nero? He was a lunatic, homicidal maniac. He was crazy. He is the one who famously threw the Christians to the lions. He is the one that he heard Christians talking about Jesus telling them that they're the light of the world. So he would take them, tie them to poles, set them on fire, and put them in his garden. Say, hey, you want to be the light of the world? Light my garden. This is Nero. It's believed that historically he set Rome on fire, uh, but blamed the Christians. And so a horrible, multi-century, wicked persecution was unleashed on our brothers and sisters in Christ. And what I want you to see is it's within the context of that that he tells them, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Don't exalt yourself. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. I know the hand of the emperor is stretched out against you, but you don't worry about him. You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and when the time is right, he'll exalt you. You trust me. See how powerful that is? And then in the context of that, we get verse 7. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I saved this one till the end so that you'd hear the rest of the sermon before you walked out. The Bible is going to say that anxiety is pride. Anxiety is pride. I know that you've been told it's a disorder and it's not your fault. But like I say commonly around here, the Bible's going to disagree with you. Anxiety is pride. And the context of God telling us, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time He can exalt you. Coming off the hills of that, he says, and all this anxiety that you're carrying around, you need to cast that onto Jesus. Uh, The word cast literally means to throw. So again, let's just be super practical. Let's kind of talk through this. So here's what we do. We hold on to our anxiety. We're like, okay, well, I'm going to lay that down at Jesus' feet. And so what you do is you're like, okay, I'm going to lay it down. So you, you very gently take your anxieties and cares and worries, and you lay it at the feet of Jesus, and then you lay down beside it and snuggle up next to it just to make sure Jesus has it. Again, but the problem is verse 7 says cast. It literally means to throw as hard as you can. 
you take your cares and you chunk them at Jesus. Right? It is literally hot potato. Right? You're like, I don't want this anymore. Jesus, your problem now. You are hurling your anxieties onto Christ. Cast all your anxieties. All of them. Well, you don't know my situation. You're correct, I don't, but I do know the Bible. I, I know that. And, and I say this, and I know, and listen, I would be more than happy to sit and talk through personal situations and circumstances, and I understand that there are unique things. I get all that. But here's my concern. Again, the reason that I'm starting with this verse here in this uh, series this summer is because I believe this is foundational. You've been lied to. You've been lied to. You've been told that a fear-filled, anxiety-ridden, no-joy existence is perfectly okay for Christians. Because after all, you can't help how you feel. You can't help how you feel. Right? Right? And the problem is going to be that verse 7 says, you actually can. So you actually can. You cast all your anxieties on him. You throw them at him. Because he cares for you. And listen, I don't, I don't say this as like standoffish preacher guy. Uh, so the truth is this. Um, this past week, for Marie and I, has been an emotional gut punch. It has been painful. We got a call last week that a, a dear friend of ours, a, a pastor, someone that we know, Someone that we love, someone that we've ministered with. Her kids were friends. We've been to their house, they've been to our house, we've hung out together, I've served and done ministry with them. Found out last week he got arrested for sexual abuse of a minor. So I get that phone call. Like, hey, are you did you know that that this individual just got arrested? Like, what? No, that can't be right. So we make some phone calls. His wife is contacted. Like, hey, this, this is a mistake, right? This is right. You know what she said? It's 100% right. It's 100% right. Have you ever been in a situation where you thought you knew someone and you thought you trusted someone and you thought this person was this and then in a split second, like all of that just evaporates? That is agonizing. It's agonizing. So we're stumbling from that. And then two days later, we get another phone call. A dear, dear friend of ours, a buddy that I've, a very close and dear friend, 45 years old, dropped out of a heart attack in his living room in front of his wife and kids. 48 hours ago. Just right there. He, 
He was one of my best friends. And we used to go to football games together. He was a state fan, and I was praying for him, and I was a Clemson fan. And so wherever it was, Clemson or Raleigh, we'd always go to the games. We did it for years. Dear friend, loved Jesus, leader in our church. He was a part of our previous church. Just, I mean, Marie and I, for our 10-year wedding anniversary, which was 10 years ago, I guess, we, uh, the, we had two kids at the time. We managed to get them off for a week, and we were going to go off um, for, uh, for our 10-year anniversary. And uh, we had to give someone our minivan that was taking care of our kids. So we were just going to rent a car. And he was like, don't rent a car. Just take my car. I'm like, I'm not going to take your car. I'm like, no, just take my car. I'm fine. Just take my car. I'll work from home for the week. Just take my car. Like, he just gave me his car. Who does that? And he's dead. We're going to go to his funeral next week. Gut punches. Things you thought were this and then come to find out his whole life was a lie? Like, I thought I knew him. A guy that's just a giant and you think he's going to be forever? That guy is just a rock solid, consistent, and then he's dead? There are a lot of great reasons this week for me to be full of anxiety, worry. I mean, those families, both those guys had kids who are now experiencing grief for radically different reasons. Things that will mark them for the rest of their lives. I'm not standing up here saying all this stuff Hey, you need to. I'm telling you, this is, this is our only hope. This is all you've got. Humility opens up the grace of God to be poured into your life. When you're humble, you allow God's grace to fall down on you. When you're humble, you are resting yourself up under the mighty, protective hand of God. Don't sneak out and try to take care of your own business. You open yourself up to enemy fire. You stay under the hand of God. You humble yourself, throwing all your anxiety and care and worries on to Jesus. Why? Because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. What I'm wanting you to see today is this. There is life eternal life, glorious life, abundant life awaiting you. The key that unlocks that is humility. It is humility. So how how do we be humble? Well, you don't grow in humility by focusing on trying to be humble, right? You just can't do that, right? Uh, C.S. Lewis called humility the great unattainable. The more you try to be humble, the less you're humble. The goal isn't to focus on trying to be humble. Here's how we grow in humility. We grow in humility by setting our minds on the beauty and worth and glory and power and bigness of God. When you see how huge and glorious and amazing God is, your only rightful response is humility. 
Listen, here's the truth. The reason you are so high in your own mind is because God is so low in your mind. You don't have a biblical real view of who God is. That's why you exalt yourself. You have to exalt something. Something has to be high. And if you don't see God for who he is, you exalt yourself. See God for who he is. Humility is vital because the Spirit of God is like rain. So I don't know if you noticed, but it's rained a lot. But here's what I've not seen. I haven't seen the first mountain being covered by rain, by water. I haven't seen the first mountaintop get flooded. You know what I have seen a lot of? I've seen a lot of low-lying places filled up with water. Why? Water finds the lowest place first. Water fills up the lowest place first, right? That's not hard. We know that. This is how the Spirit of God works. The Spirit of God fills up the lowest person first. You want to be filled up with the Spirit of God? Go low. Go low. Be humble. Be humble. Respond in humility. Growing in humility will radically change your marriage because you don't have to defend yourself anymore. You don't have to fight for your rights anymore. You don't have to look out for you anymore. You, you just humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, trusting that at the proper time, He's going to exalt you. Changes everything. Now, that is completely opposite of everything inside of you that's screaming to come out, which is why you need the empowerment of Jesus Christ to walk you through this. Humility is going to completely change how you interact with your children. It's going to change how you parent. You don't have to control and manipulate every little thing in your kids' lives. You don't have to freak out and lose your mind if someone else doesn't think that your princess is the same princess that you think she is. You don't have to do that. Because you're humble. You're humble. It's going to change everything. It's going to change everything. So as we end our time here together, I want to lead us through some prayers for us, okay? Just some things for you to be considering as you you pray through this and have the Spirit of God work in your life. One, Ask God to convict us of the depth of our pride. Again, it's sneaky. It is so sneaky. It's going to come in very socially acceptable ways. It's going to pop up in areas where if you asked a friend, is that pride in me? They're going to tell you no. That's why you need the Spirit of God to show you this. Ask God to convict us of the depth of our pride. Second, ask God to reveal to us the depth of Christ's humility. Jesus Christ 
God in flesh, creator of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ who made lame legs walk and blind eyes see and deaf ears hear and mute mouths speak, Jesus who raised the dead, humbled himself. He humbled himself. He received the stripes so that we can be healed. He became poor so that we can become rich. He became sin so that we can become righteous. He became the curse so that we can receive the blessing. He became rejected so that we can be accepted by God. He is the preeminence of all that is right and perfect and worthy of us to fall down before. But he humbled himself so that you and I can be made sons and daughters of God. When you see Jesus for who he is, it changes you. You, and now you fall on your face before him. And lastly, let's ask God to impart to us the power of Christ's humble life. You can't do this in your own strength. I can't do this in my own strength. We need Jesus to do this in us and through us. So Lord God, today, as we, as we pray and as we worship, ask you, Lord God, that you will. God, just do your great work. You have so much waiting for us. Your grace showering on us. Your hand covering us and protecting us. Your peace guarding our hearts and our minds as we turn from our anxiety. All of that's awaiting us. But humility is the key that unlocks it. So I pray, God, today that you will Bring us to that. Bring us to that. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship together.
the side of the Lord. The scripture says, you will not share your glory with another. Let us humble ourselves in an appropriate time you would lift us up. Let our lives be lived out with the sole purpose of pointing the lost to Christ. God, we love you and we thank you for these times. In Christ's name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Nothing better.